Welcome to KXAN News Today. Here are your Thursday morning headlines. Governor Abbott expected to sign a crucial border security bill today. Border security was top priority for Abbott during the legislative session, calling a special session so lawmakers could work on bills. We did reach out to the office to find out specifically which one he's going to sign today. We haven't heard back, though. Teachers in Lake Travis ISC are going to get paid more. School board just approving a 3% raise for all staff. Board also increasing the starting pay for teachers and librarians by $3,000. So it's now up to $56,000. They say that'll be the second highest entry level salary out of 13 neighboring districts. Starting pay for bus drivers, that's also up to $25 an hour. Doctors in Rome say Pope Francis is resting comfortably, even joking with doctors, after an unexpected three-hour abdominal surgery. He was admitted to the hospital yesterday for another one, this time to repair hernia, most likely caused by scars from a surgery two years ago. All right, a potential change today could help drive down the cost when it comes to rent in Austin. Good morning, I'm Sally Atmondes. And I'm Tom Miller. Austin City Council is going to talk about the Land Development Code today. Councilmember Chito Vela wants to loosen up the rule to allow for buildings to be taller near single-family homes. So right now it's a sliding scale from a two-story building up to 540 feet tall. Vela says Austin has some of the strictest measures compared to other major cities. Council will also discuss reopening the downtown Salvation Army shelter. The city now wants to lease it from the Salvation Army for a year. The group that's running their Austin Resource Center for the Homeless right now will be tapped to operate it. What my hope is, is that we are able to serve the population that was there. Now, this would cost the city more, though, than a million dollars to do it. The meeting starts at 10 this morning, and it's the last one before the city council goes on a summer break. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Well, good Thursday morning, tracking some storms out in the hill country. Not severe, but probably pretty noisy out there in Gillespie County. Small hail, gusty winds, frequent lightning, and brief heavy rain between Doss down towards Fredericksburg and Eckert here. Again, it's not warned, but if you can, let this thing pass. It's pretty quick. It's going to be pushing to the south and southeast here over the next hour or so. Should be out of the way by the time we get going around 6, 7 a.m., but Hey, rain is a good thing. We'll take it when we can get it. Not seeing those showers or storms out towards Hayes County, though. West Shore home camera in San Marcos is dry. Seeing a little cloud cover, though. Temperatures are in the 60s and 70s, but a lot more 70s than 60s this morning. 73 in Austin, 70 in Rockdale, 73 in Marble Falls, upper 60s to low 70s out west. I'm going to warn you, if you've got pool plans today, we're probably going to see a few more storms and showers today compared to what we've seen recently. I've bumped up your rain chance to 40% later this this afternoon. So that's not even accounting for some of the storms this morning. I think later today with some leftover boundaries, plenty of sunshine and some uh, moisture, it's likely we're going to be dodging some of those showers, but it's not going to hurt the warm up. We get right back into the mid 90s today. So more storms later this afternoon and evening. I will time that out for you. We'll talk about the temperature climb because that's not going anywhere. In fact, we continue to add a few degrees to these high temperatures moving forward, and there is now more than one triple digit day in my seven-day forecast. We'll talk about how long that triple-digit heat's likely going to stay with us here in just a few minutes. 
Thank you, Kristen. Today's city council members here in Austin are also going to be talking about ways to better protect your pets when you're away. It'll consider adding fire safety standards for facilities that house or hold animals on a 24-hour basis. Now, today's resolution vote comes two years after the deadly fire at the Ponderosa Pet Resort in Georgetown when 75 dogs died in the overnight fire. Investigators later said the facility did not have staff on site at the time. Now this year, the state passed a bill requiring pet facilities to tell pet owners if their dog or cat will be left unattended or left in a building that does not have a fire sprinkler. The law goes into effect September 1st. An Austin apartment complex is telling its residents they have a curfew. They have to be inside their apartments after 10 p.m. A property manager says this is in response to a nearby spike in crime. Tenants think though that it's unrealistic and unfair. KXAN's Brianna Hollis looks into how common this is and whether it's enforceable. And restrict movements outside their homes except for emergencies. Christy Broadaway is reading directly from this. A notice her apartment complex issued, quote, in response to security concerns and potential public health and safety concerns. 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., mandatory for all residents to remain indoors. That doesn't always work with Broadaway's schedule. I still don't understand why there wasn't some kind of notice before this. Hey, we're seeing this problem. We may moved in a direction where we have, you know, suggest you stay inside. The complex is on Burton Drive between Old Torf Street and East Riverside Drive. Austin 311 says it's received about 950 calls from Burton Drive, which is less than one mile long since the beginning of last year, and about 100 from the complex itself. The calls of the complex itself include about 60 police-related calls, like noise complaints and police report requests. The property manager says he can't actually enforce anything on this piece of paper, and he only sent the notice out because he says the private security company that patrols the complex suggested it. We reached out to that security company to ask about the types of crimes that prompted them to address the property manager, but the owner did not return our request for an interview. According to that company's Facebook page, they frequently break up late night parties and catch trespassers at various apartment complexes across the city. So no one's gone into detail with you about the type of crime? Absolutely not. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. There's currently no end date for that apartment curfew. The Austin Code Department tells us there aren't any known code violations related to curfews. Going in depth here, the Texas Legal Services Center says management's rules may not have much of a bite if the rules are considered unreasonable. And when it comes to a broad curfew, the nonprofit pointed to the Tenants' Rights Handbook. This document shows that some lower courts have considered broad curfews on adults unreasonable. Goes on to say that it may be cheaper to follow the rule temporarily and then move rather than challenge it unless you have an attorney or tenant organization. Now, another suggestion for people looking to rent before you sign the lease, ask for a copy of the rules or ask the landlord to write them down and to sign the date and document as well. As Austin grows, Austin police want to hear from you on how to meet the demands of public safety. Held its very first public meeting to discuss the future of the department, former councilwoman Aura Houston says this is a time for the community to speak up. The primary thing that people want to have is an opportunity to talk about it and not have decisions made by other people without having their input. There's going to be two more public sessions, the next being on Tuesday the 13th, then again June 22nd. A high school graduate and his stepfather, the latest victims of a deadly shooting, the name of the 19-year-old police are saying is responsible.
Big changes coming to the safety of Eanes ISD when it could see its first district police officers. Good morning, everyone, and live look outside to start off your Thursday, June the 8th. Kristen is back with a check of your weather in just a bit. But first, to the news where the suspect in a deadly shooting at a Richmond, Virginia high school graduation is being held without bond. Police say 19-year-old Amari Pollard shot and killed two people. He's charged with two counts of second-degree murder. Police saying he shot and killed 18-year-old Sean Jackson and his stepfather, 36-year-old Lorenzo Smith. Jackson had just received his diploma moments before he was shot. Seared in my mind is the image of our graduate who walked across the stage, who I shook his hand literally 15 minutes before on the ground in his gown getting CPR. How do you explain that to kids? Now, police say this was a shooting that was a targeted attack. It was from an ongoing dispute between Jackson and the suspect. Five others were injured from that shooting, ranging in ages from 14 years old to 58 years old. Jackson's nine-year-old sister was hit by a car as, people's ran, as people rather ran to get out of the way. How Austin is shifting its focus as the city pumps the brakes now on tracking down unlicensed short-term rentals. How a million Texans stand to lose their health care after federal changes to Medicaid. Good morning, a live look outside from our Austonian camera high atop Austin. Uh, it needs a little bit of a cleaning. We've got some uh, spider webs. Oh, you see that? A little bit of lightning firing off in the distance. Kristen is tracking the storms that we could see later today. I want to tell you, though, there are thousands of unlicensed short-term rentals in Austin. But the city says it's not focusing on a crackdown anymore. And this is because of some legal questions. Okay, since the Rahman explains why some are worried a lawsuit in New York City could have an impact here in Austin. I've always loved hospitality. Over the years, we've spoken to many neighbors who make a living off of short-term rentals in Austin. It's an amazing city. It draws a lot of events, a diverse group of travelers. Dustin Abney's company manages 30 properties here. He's keeping an eye on a legal fight between Airbnb and New York City. The rental platform says the city's rules are too restricting, citing confusing city codes, a complicated registration system, and rules like banning internal locks on bedroom doors. Abney doesn't think Austin's rules are that restrictive. It actually came as a relief that there were very well described and accessible policies that we could find. But he's worried about what might happen if New York City wins this battle. More jurisdictions who want to stop short-term rentals are going to point to that and say, see, New York City, this big, you know, amazing city with tons of rentals, did that, why can't we? Legal uncertainty has the city of Austin pulling back on enforcing its new resolution. While it didn't point to the lawsuit in New York City, it says due to the evolving law in this area, it's refocusing enforcement on behavioral issues with short-term rentals instead of cracking down on finding the thousands of unlicensed ones. We want balance within the city between long-term residents, long-term rentals, short-term rentals. We can all win. Thahada Rahman reporting for us. Now in September, the city of Austin said there are about 11,000 unlicensed short-term rentals and fewer than 2,000 were actually licensed with the city. 
Unlicensed operators could be fined up to $2,000. You can find a link on how to get your short-term rental license at our website, kxan.com. Now going in depth here, there is a lot of research out there on how these Airbnbs could be raising prices for home buyers through platforms like Airbnb. Property owners are offering rooms, apartments, and entire homes as short-term rentals. Those properties would likely otherwise be listed in the residential rental or housing market. And so that means they are effectively reducing supply and driving up prices. Professor over at Purdue University researched three cities where Airbnb had implemented a policy to restrict hosts to just a single address. And with that policy, rents and home values dropped by about 3%. Recent study shows Airbnbs in Austin are among the most expensive in the country. The Chamber of Commerce study found Austin has the third most expensive rentals. We've got an average rate of $373 per day. You can see those cities there in California and Arizona also high up on the list. And I saw below that we have uh, Vegas and mm. Honolulu. Oh. Those are two nice destinations yeah. as well. Yeah, two very different ones too. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea until it's your next door neighbor. Yeah. You know, when you yes. see like the rotating door and probably uh -huh. not taking care of it as much as you'd want. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast because, yeah, that's lightning. We've got out there. These storms are having a real hard time surviving as we get closer and closer to sunrise. But that's a good-looking thunderstorm I'm seeing out towards Gillespie County. It's not severe, but it's got some heavy rain with it. It's got some lightning, gusty winds, even small hail possible. So, Fredericksburg, I'm looking at you. I'm watching out for you. I'm not seeing anything in the way of uh, severe potential here yet, but I think I think it's going to give you a good amount of rain. I've already seen about a half an inch to an inch of rain come out of this storm in Mason County. So we'll take the rain. We just got to fight through the lightning, make sure we're being careful with that. But the lightning you just saw in that Estonian weather camera, I wanted to put this into perspective. Radar is estimating that storm about 50 miles away from uh, Austin. So that thing is powerful. But as far as the overall day goes, that's just the beginning. We've got a much better chance of storms and showers later today. So an appetizer, if you will with that storm out in Gillespie County. Temperatures are in the 60s and 70s everywhere you look this morning. It is mild and we get ready for another hot afternoon. 94 is that forecast high and there's that 40% chance of afternoon storms. Yet again, it's an air quality day. We've got an ozone action day uh, put in place today because of the elevated ground level ozone. So we're looking at our highly populated counties here. If we can maybe carpool, walk your bike or walk or bike, I should say. Uh, when when possible. Now, be mindful of the fact that there will be some storms out there later today. So that will be the one caveat is we're dry through lunchtime, but then you can see these storms starting to bubble up 3, 4 o'clock, and this will continue as we get into the afternoon and evening, really favoring I-35 eastward. But everybody has that chance of seeing some of these storms, and it'll be a one out of five risk of seeing a severe storm where you live today. Anywhere from strong winds, hail, and heavy rainfall possible, not a tornado threat today, but also just wanted to let you know we've we've got a severe risk expected on Saturday too. So just wanted to put that on your radar as we get closer. We'll of course keep you updated. But in the meantime, seven day forecast shows 90s today with that 40% chance of storms. Dry tomorrow, just a little bit hotter. There's that 20% chance of storms on Saturday with the severe risk mainly north of Austin, north and east, but still something to pay attention to. Dry skies with triple digit heat expected as we get into the later part of the weekend and early next week.
Wow, okay, Kristen, thank you so much. It is described as one of the most underreported disasters in history. 50 years ago, highly toxic industrial fire retardant accidentally mixed in with cattle feed, poisoning most of Michigan. It's pretty startling to hear about. I talked with reporter Matt Jarowski about why you may have never heard about this before. Matt, most people watching this have never heard of this disaster before. Can you explain what happened and what the impact was? Yeah, so it's, it's a long, complicated story, but it basically comes down to this. In the spring of 1973, a chemical company in, in mid-Michigan um, mistakenly sent the wrong chemical compound to a Farm Bureau uh, mixing facility across the state. They're supposed to send uh, a compound called magnesium oxide. That's something that's commonly used, it's still used today, mixed into cattle feed, um, provides them iodine and a lot of other minerals that they need. And it also uh, kind of helps them produce more milk. Instead of magnesium oxide, they were sent uh, PBB, which is a, f a flame retardant chemical, uh, highly toxic. Uh, it ends up getting mixed into the feed because they're so similar uh, and the bags were so similar. Uh, and it took about a year before state agencies really figured out what was happening. And at this point, you have millions of cattle that were contaminated and that meat and dairy products had made it to store shelves. And this initially killed millions of animals once they realized what had happened. Can you talk about the impact it had just on, on farm life? A lot of dairy farmers were really put in a tough spot. Um, it hit the cows first because it started in cattle feed, but with this PBB, uh, once it was used in the mixing facility, any other feed that came after that was also contaminated at lower levels. So the millions figure seems big. It was around 30,000 cattle, but we're also talking sheep and more than a million chickens uh, were also impacted by all this. They were uh, had to be taken for slaughter, but that doesn't even count the animals that were actually sold to market that were contaminated with PBB. And here we are now 50 years later and they're still sort of studying the impacts that this had on humans. Where is that steady at? Yeah, so uh, shortly after all this uh, was first found out, uh, a study was launched to track people that we know specifically had high exposures of PBB. Uh, that was picked up by Emory University uh, more than 20 years ago, and that study's still ongoing. And they found some pretty um, interesting side effects that they're tracking through the generations, um, including some uh, reproductive issues, uh, hormone issues that they could trace directly to PBB that's still being seen two, three generations after that initial uh, incident. Reporter Matt Jarowski on this strange story up in up in Michigan that we're just now hearing about. I appreciate your reporting. All right, thank you both. Uh, President Joe Biden announced he is vetoing the Republican-led bill to block his student loan forgiveness plan. Biden's plan would forgive up to $10,000 in student relief for most borrowers and up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. Let me make something really clear. I'm never going to apologize for helping working and middle-class Americans as they recover from this pandemic. Never. The fate of the program now heads over to the Supreme Court. Ains ISD is getting its first district police department sometime early next year. School board says 15 armed officers are going to help cover each of the campuses, including elementary schools. The district approved this creation of the PD during its last meeting. There's been an increase in school police departments across the state. 
The Texas Tribune reports there was a surge after the school shootings in Parkland and Santa Fe in 2018, and there are now more than 300 school police departments in Texas. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Right, good morning to you. After a trip to the East Coast and Miami Horns later today, we'll head to the West Coast. Longhorns back in the Super Regional. Probably didn't think this was a Super Regional type team early on, but then again, that was nearly four months ago. They dropped their first three in Arlington, started out three and seven, picked it up, had some down times, and then put it all together at least for three games as they find themselves back in the Sweet 16, if you will. This team is very gratifying. It'd be, for one, they've created the identity for the 2023 team. They've been in the shadows of the 21-22 team, and they've heard all about those players, and now they've been able to create their own identity, and it's been huge for their confidence. I still don't think we're there yet. Um, I mean, a lot of people picked Miami to come out of the regional, um, and we ended up coming out. So I think we just go into this weekend with that same mindset of as we're the underdogs, and kind of feels weird to say that, uh, you know, playing here. Um, but I think we are going into this weekend, so we just got to stick with ourselves and stay with our teammates and just uh, keep going, keep grinding it out. NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships underway at UT first day, including half of the decathlon, five events, and oh, right there in the middle is Longhorn Leo Neugerbauer, finished second last year in the Outdoor NCAA Championships, gets off to a great start, wins the 100, he wins the high jump right there. It was an outstanding day. Four personal bests for Neugebauer, including the final event of the day. The 400 meters pulls away strong, and he has a 21-point lead, but still five events to go today. The women also take the track for the first time today, including Longhorn All-American Julian Alfred. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.